Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries in Horace, Alabama, welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Uh, we're excited about our study today. We will resume and pick up the study from the text, Romans chapter number 3. We're going to start at verse number 23. Again, we're going to pick up at Romans chapter number 3. Verse number 23, and the text reads, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay. For all have sinned again and come short of the glory of God. And as we examine the, the text and and we pull on uh, just the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to go deep in our understanding. Here again, we have a commonly used um, scripture or text of scripture in our day and in our generation um, that is, in a lot of occasions, is taking out of the original context of its meaning. And this scripture has been used to basically uh, placate or to pacify, or to give a subtle form of justification for uh, the failure of the Christian to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness, to live an upright life, to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, or what the Bible calls the fruit of righteousness, to develop a Christ-like character. And oftentimes when there is a failure in in morality, uh, there's a failure in righteousness and holiness and sanctity and honor in a believer's life. Uh, this scripture is often brought up to imply that regardless of how hard we strive to be Christians or to live right and to live an acceptable um, life in God's sight, that somehow we're all doomed to fail in that mission and in that effort and endeavor because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we see the deceptiveness of it. In, in one instance, there's a there's correction, instruction, exhortation, and rebuke telling us to live the life. And on the other side, there's this argument to say, well, nobody can actually achieve it using this scripture for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the question to the, if that is true, then the question to just the intelligent mind and the person that has common sense is, if I'm destined to sin and to fall short of the glory of God, why even try? Why even strive to live upright? Why even, how can you hold me accountable for something that is unachievable? Okay, and so this text is taken out of context, and it's used to to justify uh, disobedience, human failure, and to justify sin. Now we all know that God is a forgiving God, uh, but there is nowhere in the New Testament where the Bible and the sound doctrine of the Word of God teaches that the born again, rege regenerated Christian who has been brought to death and life by the power of the Holy Spirit is subject to sin or 
has to sin or is expected to sin for his or her remainder of their life on earth. Um, actually, the opposite is just the truth. Um, we are expected to uh, awake to righteousness and sin not, First Corinthians 15, for some have not the knowledge of God. And the Apostle Paul said, I speak this to your shame. So all throughout the New Testament, we're giving um, the command and the admonition to abstain from uh, sin. Uh, and I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. So if for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God does not justify our human decisions, um, our weaknesses in Christ Jesus are not even an excuse because God lets us know in the book of Acts in his encounter with the Apostle Paul that his grace is sufficient and kingdom heavenly divine God-like strength is made complete in our weaknesses. Uh, so much so that the New Testament admonition in Christ Jesus through the person who has been redeemed and the new creature in Christ is to let the weak say that I am strong. Okay. And as we see in Ephesians chapter 6, in our weakness, we're told to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So let's be clear. The, the New Testament gospel makes no excuse for the born-again believer to continue in a habitual life of sin. Okay. Um, it's completely contrary. Jesus came to save us from the penalty, the power, and the nature of sin. But this verse has been used to give people a pass or the impression of a get-out-of-jail-free card uh, as if God expects us to fail in Christ Jesus in our walk of righteousness and obedience and uprightness to him. And the contrary and the opposite is, is really the truth. And so when this text says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it's not talking about born-again believers and Christians who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb who have received of his life and of his spirit and who have been brought from death to life, it is speaking about two specific groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, before Christ. Because remember, the context of this entire chapter is that the Jewish people who are chosen by God uh, don't get a free ride because of them being chosen and how that God has concluded both Jew and Greek all understand, or Jew and Gentile, or uh, Hebrew Jewish people, in addition to any Gentile nation, which is any nation apart from uh, that nationality, we're, hold, we're all held accountable, and we, um, despite of what race, what ethnicity we come from, what region we come from, uh, all of humanity carries the nature and the DNA of sin, as was passed down through the first man, Adam. And as a result, uh, all of us, both Jew and Gentile, or Jew and Greek, need the same Messiah, the same blood of the Lamb, the same salvation that is in Jesus Christ in order to be justified in his sight. So when it says, all have sinned, it, now I want you to view this scripture with the understanding he's not talking about Christians. He's talking about uh, ethnicities. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. People groups, people groups, people groups, people groups uh, of the past uh, and people groups of the present, you know, apart from Christ. Because he's building a case 
in Romans chapter number three that Jesus Christ uh, is the is savior of the world. He's the savior of both Jews and Gentiles. And so he was, you know, teaching the Jewish people and helping them to see their need for Messiah and that there is no righteousness that comes by the law. So again, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is not an empowerment for born-again believers to walk in sin, and it is not a guarantee of failure in our Christian walk. It is a, it is a truth that all of us, regardless of where we come from, carry uh, before Christ the, the nature of sin within us, and so all are in need of a Redeemer. So as we move on to verse number, well, uh, let, let's let me let's build right there, just a little, a little longer. Okay, it says for uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me let's let's dig a little deeper because this is a, a pivotal verse, and I believe that God wants to totally. Uh, transform our thinking uh, so that the next time we read this scripture, we can have clarity and have understanding and realize what a blessing this scripture really is uh, apart from uh, some kind of defamation or a discouraging verse. This is actually a beautiful verse if we understand it from the heart of God. But I want you to think about the phrase at the end of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short. And if you listen, I just want you to say that to yourself, and come short, okay? And come short of the glory of God, okay? Which means that the glory of God was always the will of God for us. It was our ultimate destination. And what does it mean that all have sinned and come short of the glory, okay? Well, this word, come short, is a unique word that means to uh, to be inferior or to be deficient. This word falls short actually means to be deficient. To be deficient means to be running low on or to be without something that you need that belongs to you or that you are dependent upon. Okay? When, for, for instance, when the Apostle Paul says that our sufficiency of God to not have enough of God is to be deficient of him. Okay? And so you're only deficient of, of what you're sufficient of. Okay? You can't be deficient of something that you were never meant to draw from, to pull from, or to connect with. And so to fall short, again, means to be deficient. That is because the glory of God was ordained when we were created to be you and I sufficiency or the thing that we pull from, draw from, or depend on, okay, or that we partake of in order to become full of, to function according to the way that God created for you and I to function. So what this verse is saying is that both Jews and Gentiles, because all of us carried the sinful nature that everyone was cut off from the glory of God because of the nature of sin, okay? And in that, you and I became deficient because the glory of God is and was 
uh, ordained by God to be our sufficiency or the thing that we pull from. It was not saying that, you know, we lived such a lousy life as Christians that we became ashamed to God and therefore God couldn't get any glory out of us because of how we were living. Okay, that's not what this verse is talking about. Okay, it's not talking about when you sin, God is ashamed of you, and as a result of that, you have fallen short of the glory of God. No, this verse is talking about uh, the entire world, both Jews and Gentiles, all being considered by heaven under sin, and every nation being cut off from the glory of God. But the glory of God is, is our destination. It's our sufficiency. Okay? And so when we fail from grace through sin, we also fail from the manifest presence of God's glory. Okay? Um, in the book of Chronicles, um, the, the Bible says that glory and honor are in his uh, palace. Strength and gladness are in his place. Okay? Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. And so let's, let's look at this a little deeper. If you and I became deficient of the glory of God, another word for falling short, definition for falling short, was to become destitute of. Okay? It means to become destitute of the glory of God. So let's read it different. For all have sinned and become destitute of the glory of God. All have sinned and become deficient of the glory of God. Another one is to suffer need. All have sin and suffer need of the glory of God. Now, we've got to get this religious thinking out of us because we've got so many things in our mind pertaining to the glory. Okay? God did say that you know, uh, no flesh for glory in his presence. But also he said in the book of Psalms that the Lord is the sun and shield, uh, and the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing but God will hold of them that walk uprightly. So there are different aspects in understanding this thing called glory. But one of the things that's, that's, that's being revealed in Romans 3, chapter 23, that glory is something that was for the original humanity or those that were created in God's likeness and in God's image. And because of sin, Adam uh, fell short of it or he became destitute of it. But then because we came out of the first man, regardless of what nationality, whether Jews or Gentiles, we all came from the first man, Adam, we were all cut off from being able to be intimately in tune with the manifest presence of God, uh, which is his glory, because of the sin nature that you and I carry. Okay? And so... As long as man is in sin, there's only so close he can get to the glory of God. And he, as long as we walk in sin or sin is present, then whoever the sin is present in and the glory of God can never be as intimate and as in union and as harmonized or as one as God intended. Okay? Because... God's glory and sin are opposite. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. They're not compatible. And the truth of the matter is, is that the closer that glory gets to sin, the more it judges it okay, and condemns it and passes judgment upon it. 
And so the whole plan of God the Father was to remove sin out of us, okay, so that you and I can once again be restored and return and reconcile to his glory, okay, and so that you and I could no longer live a deficient, destitute life that, that was suffering need, or another definition was for fall short was to be in want of. So why would God say all have sinned and have become in want of the glory of God if the glory of God was never ordained by God to be given to us? That's kind of cruel, okay, if it's unattainable. And so as we read this, I want you to understand that he's speaking of our need for Savior so that you and I can be born again we can be washed in the blood, and our sin nature can be removed, and the, right to, and the nature of God can be given to us so that you and I can begin to seek God once again in intimacy, and we can walk in the glory of God, okay? And so that you and I could enter in to his glory, which is his manifest presence. It is the reality of who he is, okay? All right, let's go a little deeper as it relates to glory, just a little bit more scripture foundation, okay? I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, okay? Romans 3.23, we spoke of falling short of the glory of God, and I uh, declared, you know, the case before heaven, you know, out of conviction and understanding that it was God's intent that you and I be returned, restored, or reconcile back into glory that God originally created man to walk in the glory of God, okay? Um, matter of fact, Romans cha uh, Psalms chapter 8, um, David tells us, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visited? For you created him a little lord in the angels, but you have crowned him with glory and honor. And that is our destiny. That is our inheritance. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. This verse speaks about Jesus Christ and his mission and what he did at the cross of Calvary. And it, it shines a light of understanding of, of a purpose of his mission that was accomplished at the cross. And it speaks of Jesus, and it says, It became him, Jesus, from whom are all things, Jesus, and by whom are all things? Jesus. And look at what he says. And bringing many sons and daughters, okay, unto glory. Okay? Unto glory. Okay? Not to behold glory, but you see, you, you see an entering into glory. Now, Romans 3.23, before Christ, he's saying, you... You all need a Savior because you've been cut off from the glory of God and deficient, destitute. Um, you fall short. You're lacking. You suffer need. You're in want of the glory of God. You come behind. But now, after the cross in Jesus Christ, we see Jesus Christ active in his ministry as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and gathering sons out of every kindred, nation, tongue, and people that are destitute, that are broken, that are deficient, that are in want and in need. And he's saying, come on, come on, come on. 
And he's bringing many sons, even now, even you and I, his mission is to bring you and I back into the original uh, state and condition that he intended man, what, which is to the glory of God, to be able to dwell in God's glory, okay, to bring many sons into glory. Now, the glory of God, uh, let me share this. And oftentimes you hear about the glory of God manifesting in places and in service. In the Old Testament, the glory of God manifested as a cloud. Uh, there, there are supernatural things that take place in the glory. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, you know, the glory of God would come now, and the priests couldn't even, they couldn't even stand uh, in the temple because the presence of God was so strong, okay? Uh, one of the uh, words for, uh, for definitions for glory is weighty with everything good, okay? So it is the God's manifestation of the weight of his goodness. In the glory of God, there's no sickness, there's healing, there's no oppression, there's freedom, uh, there's no death, there's life, uh, there's no poverty, there's abundance. You know, the glory of God is where all things are right times 1,000, okay? Beyond anything that you and I can imagine, ask, or think, uh, because the mind of God is far above the mind of man. And so... You know, there is no death, there is no demon, there is no disease, there is no pain, no hurt, there is no darkness, uh, there is no decay that can exist in the glory of God, okay? It is the, it is the perfect and ordained place and reality of soundness that God has created for human beings and mankind to occupy and to dwell in, okay? It was when uh, we became... And let me explain this. You know, demons and demonic forces and the power of darkness cannot penetrate or dwell in God's glory. Okay? Constantly, you know, just take it a little further, but neither can sin either. Okay? And so this is why Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And this is why we have to make good on salvation because there are aspects of God's reality that belong to us, which is the glory of God is our home, that Jesus is trying to bring you and I back to, okay? Uh, you know, to, to give you an example, okay, what if we didn't need, you know, just healings here and there? What if we found a way to remain consecrated and to walk in the glory of God, okay? Uh, I think that we would move from healings to divine health, okay? And by abiding in a perpetual life in the manifest presence of God, because the perpetual life in the manifest presence of God is his glory, and his glory is weighty, heavy, with everything good in it. Okay? Okay, we see the mission of Jesus was to bring many sons to glory and to become the captain of our salvation and to make the captain of our salvation complete or perfect through suffering. And so he died, and he suffered, and he took those stripes. The chastisement of his peace was upon us to bring you and I to glory. Okay? You say, well, you know, I kind of halfway believe it. Okay, well, I'll give you one more scripture. Let's turn to John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. Okay? This is Jesus in what is often called, often called, you know, by um, in search sakes, the high priestly prayer. I just call it. This is just Jesus. This is him. This is his word. 
this is him talking and uh, him being heartfelt before the Father before the cross. And but 1720s, Jesus said, "Neither I pray for these alone, speaking about the twelve disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word." That's you and I, because we know Jesus because of the New Testament, the epistles uh, that we call that that are you know we have this book, this Bible called the New Testament, but the New Testament is the word of his apostles. So Jesus is praying for us, okay? You and I who are born again, praise God. It's amazing that he could think about us over 2,000 years ago, and he could see the obedience of the 12 apostles affecting us and us believing on him through their word and him interceding for us as well and including us in his prayer, okay? This is what he prayed, that we all may be one. And then Jesus said, as you, Father, are in me, I in you, and that they, they being us, the church, us in the 21st century, okay, that we may be one in the Son and the Father, okay, that we may be in complete harmony, that there would no longer be three, but we may be completely in sync and in union together, completely, okay? That the world may believe that you have sent me. This is a witness to the world. I won this with him. But look at verse 22, and this is something that you want to gather. And Jesus said, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Wow. The glory which you gave me, I have given them. So that glory, that humanity, Jews and Gentiles, fell short of because of the nature of sin. God turned around, Jesus turned around and restored it and offered it and gave it back to those who believe on the Father through his word those who believe on Jesus through the word of the apostles, okay? We didn't ask for it. You didn't ask for it, but we see in verse 23, Jesus turned around and he gave it to us. Now, Jesus doesn't give us things that are not needed and of a necessity, and this is what it means to fall short of the glory of God because remember that word fall short meant to be deficient of, to be destitute, to lack to suffer need or to be in want. The Messiah came, and after the cross, he said, I got you. You no longer have to be destitute. You no longer have to suffer need. You no longer have to be in want. You no longer have to be deficient because when you're deficient of something, you don't operate to your optimum capacity. Okay? And so you and I as humans, we can't, we can't max out. And we can't operate in the optimum capacity that you and I were created to operate in outside of the glory of God, outside of the manifest presence of God, outside of, of, of entering into that glory. And he says that they may be one, even as we are one. Me and them, and Father, you and me, that they may be complete in one, perfect means complete, whole, spirit, soul, and body, lacking nothing, sound, 
and that the world may know that you have sent me. And here's the thing. You say, well, well, why would Jesus want to give us glory? Why would he share his glory? And that, you know, that, that challenges the mind of traditional thinking and of religious thinking because we've been taught so many things. Don't touch God's glory, 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 glory. That, that's true. You can't take it if it doesn't belong to you. But if it belongs to Jesus and he chooses to give it to you, that's another story. Okay? And if he is good, can't he share what's been given to him with us? Well, why does he share what's been given to him to us? The end of 23 tells us because he wants us to know that the Father has loved us just as much as he loves him. So the Father gave the Son glory and honor. And the Son turned around and gave us that exact same glory and honor so that we can understand that we are loved as sons and daughters of God just as much as the Son of God himself. Okay? And so it's important for us to understand that, again, when all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it is not an excuse to keep sinning. It is not uh, a teaching to say, hey, you're striving to live right, but it'll never come. Or to say, okay, you can continue in sin and, 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 and pat somebody on the back and say, just keep doing the best that you can and, and don't be too hard on yourself because all have sinned and fallen glory to glory of God. No, 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 no. You know, that's not what it's speaking about. All races and nationalities have, but in Christ Jesus, those things change, okay? And Jesus calls us to glory, and he gives us glory, and he has paid the price to deal with the power, uh, the penalty, the presence, as well as the nature of sin that has plagued man throughout all generations. Well, God bless you. Thank you for your time. I pray that the Bible study and that the teaching uh, brought edification, understanding, and clarity. If it be with the Lord, we will uh, continue this Friday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Grace and peace be with you. In Jesus' name.